I think honestly, you know, I was I was really praying. I kind of had one direction and then another direction, and I was just really asking the Lord, you know, what what did I need when I was in college? And you guys, how many of you are not tired? Anybody? Great. Okay. All right. A couple of you. That's good. I'm glad you're getting rested up. I would imagine that there's two types of tired that are going on today, right? There's the sleepy tired, right? My buddy and I used to sit right where you're at, and we used to both work really late shifts. And I would literally, I had a pin, like a, like a, like a baby pin, but it was like a you know, pin on my backpack. And he, he would tell me if I was, if he was falling asleep, poke me with the pin. And there was many times where I would, and he, uh. and so I, I get sleepy tired, been there, done that, okay? I, I'm with you. I'm guessing, I would imagine that there's also a few of you here this morning that are probably a little bit weary, a little bit soul tired. You, you know, you're plugging along, you're trying your best, you're doing all the stuff that's right in class and in school and you're trying to grow, but you're just a little tired. And I want to come to you this morning and, and, and I want to offer you something and I kind of have a few different objectives this morning, but they all go into one, right? First of all, uh, I want to encourage you in the short term. I want this message to be something that, you know, right now can kind of put a little bit of pep in your step and help you out. But in all reality, this is going to be a message that most likely will not be its most beneficial until you're a few more years down the line, and that's on purpose. And so I hope that this is something that, forget me, forget who I am, Forget exactly how I say things, but I hope that the, the lesson sticks with you. And I hope that in a few years from now, you can go, oh yeah, Lord, that's right. And then I hope to challenge you today as well. Uh, you know, we're in a great area. We're, a lot of people sold out for the Lord. And yet, I would imagine a few of us need some poking and prodding as well. So let's go to the Lord in Mark chapter 10, verses 28 through 30. Really not unfamiliar verses in the least. And when he was come into the house, wow, I'm in Mark chapter 9. I do know how to read my Bible, I promise. Mark chapter 10, verse 28. Then Peter began to say unto him, Lo, we left all and followed thee. And Jesus answered and said, Verily, truly, I say unto you, There is no man that hath left house, or brethren, or sister, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my sake in the Gospels, but he shall receive a hundredfold now in this time, and uh, houses, and brethren, and sisters, and mothers, and children, and lands with persecutions, and in the world to come, oh, eternal life. Many that are first shall be last, and the last first. I'm going to preach a message this morning entitled, Grit and Grace. And I hope this morning uh, that you are able to walk away really kind of with this, this key thought. There's a few that I, you know, I hope you take away, but uh, ultimately what I would really like you to walk away with is this. A life lived in full surrender to the King is a life that is rewarded by the King. A life that's lived in full surrender to the king is a life rewarded by the king. But it takes grit to get there. So our pastor, Chuk is a small 
small area, right? 50 islands, sounds like a lot. You'd be amazed at how many connections everybody has. So I work underneath of a local pastor. His name is Pastor Mike. And he's, uh, you know, he's in his uh, early 60s, right? And so he grew up super old school in the island. Awesome to hang out with him and talk with him about these stories. But Pastor Mike, anytime he and I are out, almost any time, I can almost tell when the conversation is going to come up. He'll say, hey, do you see that person over there? And I'll say, yes. And I know that the next thing he's going to tell me is, I'm related to them. And inevitably... Inevitably, they, and, and, and it's in island minds, man. They can do it, right? We have to write things down in genealogies. And I, I, you know, I, I, can't, I don't even know if I can tell you who my great-great-grandparents are, really. He can trace, orally, he can trace his lineage back to the 1500s, right? And so he knows the history. He knows that person over there, I'm related to them because of this and that and this over here. And, and I'm not saying he can do everything, but he knows from the 1500s onward, he knows kind of how he came to be, right? And so we live in an area where family really is, I mean, it's everything. Your clan is life. An individual, you're not as important as the whole. And so when we come to this, we, we look at this from an American mindset, and we go, well, you know, yeah, you know, I, of course, I can, I can leave my family. I've got FaceTime. I've got all these things. You know, I, I don't even have a house anyway. I'm 20 years old, and I don't have a house yet. And so, but I want us to kind of just step back, and I want us to realize. So let's, let's dig in. The first thing that I want us to realize is the release, the release. We look at verse 28. Man, Peter sums it up so well. Lo, we have left all and followed thee. Now, what's the context of this? What's happening here? This is immediately after Christ is brokenhearted over a rich, young ruler. This ruler comes, you know the story well. He comes and he says, hey, I, I want to be your disciple. And Jesus says, that's great. First, you've got to follow the commandments. Oh, not a problem. Got them down, checkbox, checkbox, checkbox. And then God says, fine. That, or Jesus says, fine. That's great. One more thing. Go, and all you have to do is just sell it all. Follow me. And, you know, we think, of course, you would want to follow Jesus. Not that badly sometimes. So this guy walks away sad. Christ is brokenhearted. Three times he says, it is very difficult for people that have wealth to enter into the kingdom of God. And so they're amazed. <laughs> I mean, the thinking was, if the rich people can't get in, right? I mean, that God obviously blessed them. If they can't get in, then what's going to happen? How is this even possible? So Peter's scratching his head, and he says something that I think is an encouragement to anybody that's been trying to serve the Lord for quite some time, right? We've left it all for you. Peter did. I mean, he left his house, he left his wife, not left, left, but you know what I mean. And so he did all these things for Christ. So we see the release. First of all, a decision was made. It's really interesting. Here he uses the word left. And if you go back to chapter 1, verse 18, it says, and straightway they forsook their nets. The same word. And it has this idea of to release something, to walk around, to open up the hands and to let it go. And so it was this idea of something that had been done. They re he released it. They released their nets. 
Lord, we've released everything else and we have followed you. And I know my crowd this morning. I know who I'm speaking to. I'm speaking to young men and young women that have said, look, I'm here maybe for a one-year Bible, a three-year theology, a four-year degree. But, you know, I'm here to figure out what the Lord wants for me. Great. Step one is accomplished. And I'm proud of you, truly. But this is something then that we go forward with. So underneath of the release, we see the decision was made. But then we see that the decision was then followed. He says this, Lord, we've left all, we made the decision, we opened up the hands, we've released it, we let go of the net, everything we had, we, you know, at least for a moment, we, we, we opened up our hands to you, and he says, and we have followed you. This is this continual idea. It could stop, but we're continuing on in this. And look, this is really kind of the crux, this is what I really want you to start Getting is this. In the moment, right, it's easy to come. Not always easy. I don't want to trivialize it. But it's, it's easy to do a one-time decision and say, Lord, I'm going to serve you. And then life gets hard. Then school bills are due. And then the gas tank is empty. And then you have more hours at work and a paper due. And, you know, you're having problems with this and that over here. And then it really becomes real. Do I really want to follow Christ? You know, I think a lot of times the gospel has become almost a buzzword for a lot of people. We're all excited about the gospel. We're all excited about the kingdom. We're all excited about ministry. But then when it gets hard, I've watched a lot of guys drop. And so what I want us to look at is that this decision will be something that we have to make over and over and over and over again. There are times in the mission field where I have woken up and and I can remember distinctly, and this is not proud moments of my life, but I remember nighttime heading to the back. Uh, I've got squat stands back there, and I remember just going back and just pummeling them because I was so frustrated and so ready to be done. And over and over and over, you have to continually make this decision. And I'm not telling you that today to discourage you, but to prepare you. Because many people have it in their mind. Where these guys, these disciples, they're like, man, we're going to follow Christ. And then it got hard. And folks, guys, right now, it is difficult. You are, in a, you are in most likely some of the most difficult times that you have ever faced in your life. College is no picnic. But every time you have to continue to choose Christ. You have to continue to choose following him over following comfort. Following him over following pressure. And so we see the release, but then what's the reason, right? It's easy to get hyped up. It's easy to say, yes, I'm going to follow Christ, and I know I'm going to have to do it over and over and over again where I decide this, but man, what is the reason? Well, Christ spells it out for us. Lo, we've left all and have followed thee. Well, what did they leave, right? Again, let's get this back into context. They left houses, brethren, sisters, father, mother, wife, children, lands. 
That's a lot, especially outside of an American culture when literally land is who you are. I am born into this land. I will die and be buried in this land. This land has been my clan's land for more generations than I can count. My family, my family is all that I have. If it wasn't for family, how would I survive? Where would I go? Now look, maybe that's not necessarily our immediate context, but everybody here holds something precious to them. And I don't mean necessarily a physical thing, but maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a place. Maybe it's a, uh, an opportunity. Maybe it's the way that you thought you were heading. Maybe you hold those things really close. And the Lord says, look, I just want you to release it one time. And then the next time, keep releasing it. And the next time after that, keep releasing it. Why? Because Christ spells out the reason. No person has left the hard things, the things that they want most in life. No person has left that for my sake in the Gospels. So first of all, the reason for leaving then, or number two, if you're keeping notes, right? Number one is the release. And then A and B, I did it the right way. Okay? And then number two is the reason. Why? For Jesus. It's easy to make Jesus a buzzword. It is easy to make Jesus our imaginary hero when in reality, would we really, really sell out for Christ? Why for Christ? Why for Jesus? Because he is Lord and King. Acts 10.36, the word which God sent unto, Israel, unto the children of Israel, preaching, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. You see Psalm 110, the Lord, Yahweh, said unto my Lord, Adonai, sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. The Lord shall send the rod of thy strength out of Zion. Rule thou in the midst of thine enemies. We see later on in Acts chapter 2, verses 33 through 36, Peter takes this idea, he runs with it, and his conclusion is that you, who have crucified Christ, he is risen again, and because of that resurrection, he is Lord and Christ. Lord and Messiah. And so you think about the context of what we're talking about this morning. Who was Christ just trying to get to follow him? A rich, young, it would be insane. It would be, it would be absolutely egocentrical to the max for anybody that was not a king, anybody that did not hold authority to say, give up everything for me. And folks, this is something that over and over, and the Lord has had to teach me, Christ cannot be your hypothetical Lord. He can't be lip service. He can't be the invisible friend that we pray to when things are hard. 
Christ is either Lord of absolutely every aspect of your life. Lord of your car, Lord of your phone, Lord of your thoughts, Lord of your ministry, Lord of your family, Lord of your shoes. Christ is Lord of everything or he is not Lord for you in reality. And the Lord will ask you hard things. Forsake it all. Follow me. So Christ, because he is Lord and King, is the first reason that we must have grit and continue to release and release and release and release. But then, what is the other part? Obviously, for my sake and the Gospels. We love the Gospel. We're here for the Gospel. And we could quote the gospel in our sleep, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. But man, when you have to give the gospel in a stinking, filthy hovel with a man that has been scalded up and down both arms, wounds festering, it smells putrid, and all they want is a bag of rice. They don't want the gospel. Are you doing it for the gospel? Are you doing it for the Lord? You see, the gospel, first of all, it's this gospel of the kingdom. Three times from verses 23 through 25, Christ mentions the kingdom of God. What is this kingdom? He came in Mark 1.15. Christ came preaching that, hey, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe. And so this gospel, it's not complicated. You and I know it, but it must be central. It must be what we love. We love Christ the Lord. He is the Lord of the gospel. It's for the gospel that we go out. We forsake the comfort. We forsake the ease. We forsake things that might look good over here or over here. Why? Because the gospel is the power of God. Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. To everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. But the issue is that a lot of us really, really like that message. A lot of us really, really want to do that. And then we hit an obstacle. You say, that's not, it hurts. I don't know, maybe, maybe you guys, if anybody in here enjoys working out, right? I, this, is, this is almost a daily part of my life. And, and still, all this time, I look at a workout that I write for myself or I look at something and I go, man, all right, this is going to be fun. I'm going to enjoy this. And about two rounds into it, when I'm sucking wind, I'm going, this is horrible. Right? It all looks good when it's on paper. It all looks good when it's all theoretical. It all looks good when it doesn't hurt yet. But man, pain, you've either already experienced it or it's coming. So there's your message of hope for today. No, the message is this. Christ is worth the release. Over and over and over. He is worth it again and again and again. 
Christ is worth going through difficulty. Christ is worth having people forsake you because of your stand for the gospel. Christ is worth giving up comfort. Christ is worth ministering in a place where you will be obscure in five years. Christ is worth it all. And we cannot forget it. We cannot forget that Christ is worth it. Why? We have the release. It's worth it. Why? Because of the reason. Christ and the gospel. But then we have the reward. But then we don't give all these up. I love how Christ repeats himself, right? Christ didn't have to go back through the list. He could have said, nobody gives you know, an A, B, C, D, E off. All these up for the gospel, except he'll be rewarded a hundredfold. But hey, just to remind you, this is what you're giving up, but this is also what you're going to receive. He shall receive a hundredfold now in this time. Houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions. As we close out, We look at the reward then. What is our reward then for this grit? What is worth the pain of ministry? What is worth choosing over and over and over again to put yourself back into a situation that hurts often? First of all, abundance. Anybody here got a hundred mamas? I do. I don't say this in a bragging way, but I, my wife especially, but my wife and I, truth's not easy. But I can't tell you, I've lived away from my family now for years. But the mothers that I have in Chook, Miss Anta, Mama Martina, Miss Sophia, are priceless. The fathers that I have, Pastor Mike, is a father to me. Brother Edgar is my mentor. Brother Chem loves me and teaches me why that was a stupid thing to do and how I could do it better with local things, right? I mean, like, and houses? I'll never lack a place to sleep in my life. Might not be anything fancy, It might be on some wood and underneath some tin in the pouring rain, but I've got somewhere to go. Folks, listen, Christ promises you, I I honestly, I take this promise as literal. You can bank on it. You give up something for the kingdom, and Christ gives you even more. That doesn't mitigate the pain. It doesn't mitigate the the missing or the loss or the sense of loneliness at times, but Christ rewards in an abundant way. But don't forget those persecutions either, right? What is the reward? Persecution. Thank God. Because if it wasn't for persecution, if I had an easy life all day, every day, all the time, ministry was nothing but joy, what good would it do? What good would it do to absolutely just, you know, oh, no problems today either? 
Now, 1 Peter 4, 12 through 14, right? Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you, right? We often feel really isolated when we're, you know, man, I owe a school bill. I do. I've got $500 due. And you feel really alone. Like, that's never happened to anybody before, only me, right? I mean, we, look, I'm, I'm not a mind reader. I've, just, I've been there before, okay? Man, how am I going to get gas in the car? I used to work at the Arby's up here off of East Dixon, right? How am I going to get, I remember I would drive there on fumes. Please, Lord, please let me drive in there. And then I had to make it all the way back here in the dark, in the dead of night. Oh, man. Now, that's not persecution, but we often think, we often think that things are unique to us. But they're not. In fact, Christ really understands. This is awesome World War II story. Well, let me finish First Peter 4. Verse 13 is where we're at. But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings. That when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. Joy abundant. Joy that you cannot yet fathom. In the midst of your pain, in the midst of difficulty, when you are questioning, why am I even doing this? And then all of a sudden, you get a glimpse of God's glory. (laughs) It is worth it. If you be reproached for the name of Christ, oh, happy are ye, for the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part, he's evil spoken of, but on your part, he is glorified. Look. Persecution looks different everywhere, right? I'm not being beaten for Christ in Chuk, right? It's not happening, but there's different things that do happen. And it's all worth it. But the beauty of why it's worth it is because then we get to imitate Christ. So there's this story in World War II. They're, uh, they're, it was after D-Day. They're making their way across the hedgerows, right, in Normandy. And they're, they're, you know, they're a little ways further. They're off the beaches. They're doing stuff. And there's this little platoon that's kind of, they're, they're hunkered down. And they're not quite sure what to do. And a pretty superior, I cannot remember the, the rank off, right off the bat. When he was a very high rank, I want to say maybe upwards of a colonel, uh, came over. And so this is a guy that's, you know, shouldn't be doing the most bold forward movement, right? And so this, this guy comes over and he tells him, he says, look, you see that German machine gun nest over there in that house? Go take it. He said, do you know how to do that? They said, no, sir. He said, watch me. He called his boys. They went over there. They went out with a war cry, yelled, threw grenades in, blew it to smithereens. And then he came back. He said, you've seen how to take a nest. Now go do it. Jesus Christ came to this earth. He forsook father. He forsook house. He forsook kingdom in the moment and he came for you and for me. And then he endured persecutions. And then he endured separation. And then he turned around and he said, you've seen how to do it. Come on. Come with me. Folks, it is not going to be easy. 
your ministry, whether you become a full-time pastor or a full-time teacher or youth guy or missionary or you are just the full-time best person in your church, best church worker possible, not in the ministry, if you sell out to serving God, I guarantee you it's going to get really hard. And it's going to take a lot of grit. And I see a lot of guys and a lot of gals that drop out because they're surprised by it. So determine now, I will release over and over and over. Because then the next reward is eternal life. Not in the sense, and and this, and you know, I'm here with people that are more learned than I am. And I mean that seriously. To the best of my understanding, right? Obviously, we know Christ isn't saying, if you do all these things, then I'll, I'll let you be saved. But in essence, what he's saying, if you truly, if you believe in me enough to do all of this, then obviously you know who I am. Obviously you've placed your faith in me. And man, how sweet eternal life will be. And then finally, authority is our reward. But many that are first shall be last, and the last first. If God gives you a name as a pastor or a missionary or a prominent homeschool person or whatever the case might be, great. Use it for his glory. A friend of mine posted this recently. I think it was said by a Moravian Preach the gospel, die, be forgotten. It takes grit, folks. It really does, but it's worth it. Because in, when we see Christ, when we rule and reign with him, every pain, every sorrow, every difficulty, Every time we went to the Lord on our knees saying, God, but what about this? It's worth it. But why? Why is it worth it all? Is it because of the rewards that we'll see? Is it because we get a happy, squishy feeling inside every time that we, you know, we do something right and we, we've made the right choice once again? Why is it worth it? For my sake and the gospel. For the glory of God. In 1936, there was an Olympic rowing team, right? Rowing, like, you know, like they're rowing in a boat, you know? Not row, row, row your boat, but like this is like serious, legit stuff, right? These guys, they uh, went to Germany for the 1936 Olympics, and they were the underdog of all underdogs. They had to fight to even get to be able to be in the Olympic trials and then from the trials to even make it over to Germany and they were notoriously slow starters now if you don't know anything about rowing and don't think that I do right I'm I read a book that's like my expertise okay and so um but if you know anything about rowing you know the start is really important I mean if you start slow you're kind of you're in trouble for the rest of the race this team was notoriously slow at starting and sure enough Boom, gun goes off in the final, sorry, I didn't mean to scare anybody. Gun goes off in the final, uh, final heat. They are racing. Germany and Italy and I forget who else take the lead. And the poor Americans are way in the back. 
one of their main guys, sick as a dog, feels terribly, cannot do it. And all of a sudden, in the whole morning, he had his eyes closed as he was practicing and warming up. And the coxswain, right, he's the guy that yells out, row, row, you know that thing. And so he, he's trying to figure out, what are we going to do here? And all of a sudden, that main rower opens his eyes. They're about 500 meters out from the finish line. They're way behind Germany and Italy. And they began to row. And they rowed and they rowed and they rowed. And the final time was USA, 6 minutes, 25.4 seconds. Italy, 6 minutes, 26.0 seconds. And Germany, 6 minutes, 26.4, full second to the Germans there. The quote from one of these main guys was, how I struggled through that last 20 strokes, I don't know. That's grit. Folks, it's the message I got this morning. Whether it came out the right way or not, I don't know. But this is what I really felt the Lord wanted me to pass on to you. You're going to need grit. And it is worth it because he is worth it. Let Jesus be your Lord. Go out and serve him in the pain and watch him reward you so that he gets more glory.